Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cultural Conversations with the Big South. I'm your host, Darius Thigpen. We have a guest this month who uh, doesn't really need any introduction for college basketball fans. He's been a head coach in college for over 30 years, guided five different programs to the NCAA tournament. He's coached with the U.S. men's national team, one conference or national coach of the year in seven different seasons. And, of course, he won the 1998 national championship with the University of Kentucky. He is Tubby Smith. Coach, how are you doing this evening? Thank you for the introduction. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. An absolute pleasure to have you on. We're looking forward to a conversation to uh, really get some insights into leadership, into your style uh, as, as a coach, as a leader. Uh, but let's start with the, something a little bit more lighthearted. Coach, I, I've got to ask you, one of the first stories that I came across when doing my research for you is the history of your nickname, Tubby. <laughs> now, your, your given name is Rolando. Uh, and I know you've tried to shake the moniker Tubby a couple different times. So if you, don't, if you don't mind, how did you get the nickname Tubby? Well, let me give you my version and the version that we've shared with people. And that is, you know, when I was growing up with 16 other siblings, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't have indoor plumbing. I did, we didn't have indoor plumbing. So we had to wash during the week, but you actually took a bath on Saturday night. And that's when you're able to get in the tub. And when it was my turn to get in the tub, I didn't want to get out. And that's the story I tell. But my mom, she says I was a little chubby when I was a kid. So she got rest her soul. She's no longer with us. So we we stuck with the tub, you know, being part of the the reason I got the name Tubby. But that that's that's true though. That's these Tubby, you better get out of that tub. That's it. Yes, sir. And then when you when you entered high school, you had a, a teacher who wasn't really uh accommodating with the nickname, should I say? Well, she was, I guess you would call old school and very professional in that, you know, when she, you know, you have a, an attendance log. And so when she was calling names, she might say, if she says Steve Benjamin, you would say, I want to be called Steve. Or she get to May Helen, you may say May Helen May. And she just check up. She wouldn't even look up. And when they got to my name, she said, Orlando Henry, which is my real name. And somebody blurted out Tubby. And she didn't say, um, you know, she didn't look up. She just said, Orlando or Henry. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, Tubby. And so she said, she looked up over her glasses, young man. We don't use nicknames here. We use given names. And what's your... Orlando, <laughs> but, uh, but by this time, you know, people were snickering in the classroom and and we were at a, it was my first year at George uh, Creighton Mills High School, leaving the all black school, going to Creighton Mills High School, which was Tommy White School and, and um, integration just take, so, so hence the name Tubby stuck with me. Well, the name Tubby stuck with you and coach, uh, it, it stuck with you through a life that's seen you use basketball to elevate you to uh, leadership, to a platform where you really have a voice, where you speak and people listen. As you're preparing for year four at your alma mater, High Point, I imagine this is almost kind of like uh, year three, almost because last season was so different than what things had normally been because of COVID-19. The impact on the U.S. started just after the off season uh, started a couple of years ago. So. Now that you've had last season under your belt, when you look back, how did you all weather 
so many different conditions swirling around COVID last year? You know, it was it was tough, and you can see it in players um, and people today. I know just looking at our team, you know, we have three freshmen on our team, and I can tell that you know they're not used to the intensity level because they really didn't play a lot of games last year, and even with our players, you know, we missed quite a few games with contact tracing as it had COVID. We had one player miss 42 days, number was 48 days. We had two, four games schedules changed because of COVID. Uh, I just think the emotional and the psychological stress that it put everyone under um, has led to a, uh, a different approach to how we, um, how we coach, how we teach, how we lead. Well, coach, it's, it's it's one of those things where if you yourself hasn't haven't dealt with it, everyone it feels like at this point knows someone or knows of someone who has been affected by COVID nineteen. Well, you yourself personally, yes. you've had to deal with this as a coach and off the court as well, right? Yes, I've again, I, I had COVID was out for a while, and we had to shut down the program. But looking back on it, it's. Uh, I remember the day it happened. I was overseeing, uh, I was at a nursing home, my, you know, seeing my former college coach, Jerry Steele, over in Greensboro, North Carolina, the very day that Syracuse was practicing here at our gym at High Point University. And they were supposed to play North Carolina that night. And I remember leaving the nursing home, which was a one of the worst hit places, you know, they were affected harder than anyone. A lot of people passed away. Thank God, Coach Steele, he lasted until this summer. But um, it's, uh, and to see that happen in real time, where Coach Beheim, Jim Beheim was here, and they were going to play North Carolina that night. And it was, as they were walking on the court, on the court it was canceled and watching games canceled around the country, whether it was in college. A professional was really an eerie feeling, but it's um, but we we and we're still battling it. I hope everyone understands and appreciates what it that we've lost a lot of good people uh, to this this dreaded dreaded pandemic. You referenced uh, having to deal with it last year, and even kind of looking ahead to to this year, understanding, of course, that we still have. Uh, guides in place we still have protocol to follow but when you look to this season do you think that this upcoming year will be a little bit more back on track or, or are you still prepared for this to be a season where you may have those kinds of interruptions that happen I'm, I'm concerned and I, I'm we're trying to prepare for that just like I mentioned a few of our players a couple haven't been vaccinated and and they're going to be like I told them we're playing a very competitive schedule against some power five schools that may not allow their players or their team to compete. Because I remember we were having to test at a certain level to play teams in the power five conferences. So they, you know, every state, every lot of locales have different um, mandates, protocol, for testing, so I'm still concerned, like here in Guilford County in North Carolina, where 
well, uh, a little more stringent on mask wearing. We're still having to wear masks indoors. There are going to be different standards at different universities and different states that we travel. So I, I am still concerned. I was impressed that we got through last year with the, the final four and, and uh, but in talking to some of the coaches and players that had to go through just being almost housed and not being able to leave the hotel for two and three weeks. I mean, but it was, it was worth, worth, well worth it to Baylor and some other the teams that were in the final four. Well, look at looking at last year and, and 2020 in general, if the pandemic wasn't enough of a challenge to deal with last year, we look back at that spring and that summer now, and, it, and we think this is going to be a time that will forever be known for America being asked the question of how its black citizens are treated surrounding the murder of George Floyd and really looking at it as an inflection point. So coach, as a black man, as a father of black men, as a leader of black men, how did you handle all of the conversations that would have popped up around the death of George mm -hmm. Floyd and the topic of being black in America with all of the people who look up to you? How did you handle those conversations last year? Well, you know, like I would any other time, you know, we've, because that's part of our DNA. By that, I mean, that's part of being black, <laughs> just to be honest with you, that you you are, those are the things that you're concerned about. I raised, you know, three sons and and a daughter, so I'm I'm thinking to myself how how concerned we were whenever they would leave home, not and because they were black, whether they were being, um, but personally, and my players told me this when we were zooming because we couldn't meet this summer before, not last summer, but the summer before this pandemic hit. And, and uh, and they were saying, Coach, you always you, you don't realize it, but you always talk about how we should act. And when we're out in public, or even if you've been, you know, stopped by a policeman, black or white policeman, the respect that you need to have for authority. That's number one. And I think what happened with George Floyd and you know, players were on Zoom, they go, coach, even if you do that, what do you, I said, well, listen, you want to be able to survive it. And that's, you don't have to be when a policeman stops you, he comes to your, your window or, or, or you're confronted with that, just be respectful because they have a job to do and you just want to get out of that situation the best way you can. So just do what you're told. And I equate it to coaching. I used to say, you know, when I, when we're coaching, I don't really ask you guys to run back on defense. <laughs> I don't ask you to block out. I'm telling you. And so there's some days I come in here, I may be more um, animated <laughs> about doing it. And, and, and I might be having a bad day. So I, I you know, so this, issue about racism has been around forever. Uh, I grew up in a, a generation where, you know, where I was ex exposed and saw, you know, colored and white water fountains, colored, you know, 
bathrooms and white bathrooms. It's, uh, so you, you, uh, you are concerned, especially being a, an African-American black male, that things can, can easily, you know, you can be misidentified, you know, it can be, so, so my whole issue is know your surroundings, understand that, that you're trying to live another day. And uh, it doesn't, it doesn't cost you a thing to be polite. You know, it can take you a long way, even if it's, now the Joy Floyd situation, you know, I, I coached at Hope County and right for North Carolina where, where George found, Floyd's family is from. And uh, here in North Carolina, we're outside of Fayetteville, and also know exactly where he was, where he was killed in Minnesota, because I worked at the University of Minnesota for six years. So it really hit home, and and I think that was one of the ways that I was able to communicate um, and convey to our players um, why it's important that you no uh, more obey the laws. If you do do something, just make sure that you. You understand that these folk that that there are there's good and bad in everyone, <laughs> and sometimes you have to be you have to be conscious of that. Uh, and 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 being being African American, being black, you have to be even more uh, concerned and aware. Now, Coach, I understand like your your perspective on things. It's informed kind of twofold from different places you've been um, across, whether it's been in the South and in Georgia, uh, Kentucky, Tulsa, North Carolina, and now also with Minnesota being kind of tied in with through George Floyd, but then also you've got the perspective of living history in a way where people say maybe closer to my age haven't. I can't really remember what happened around Rodney King or even anything that happened before that. I'm much more connected to say cases like Trayvon Martin or Breonna Taylor in the last yeah. decade or so, but when you take a look across your years as a coach and just in life in general, when you look at all these different cases and then with George Floyd in 2020, do you look at this as perhaps a, a different time coming from George Floyd? Do you look at it as something that's kind of more of the same or do you, act, do you look at it as like a, a, a difference to come well, from the George Floyd um, from that last year? I hear you, sir. I've been stopped before and, and I, I'm, I know that I come from a point of you know, it's not a um, situation where you're um, being less of a man if you don't, you know, you know, we all have to abide, abide by rules and regulations and guidelines. But you ask that question, I look back at the Rodney King situation and others that have, uh, other incidents that have, you know, the biggest thing now is the uh, social media, hmm. and the cell phones, things are being recorded and being seen. But but it's pretty obvious that things were done and and kind of swept under the rugs. But now it's come to light, and it's something that that America is 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 having to deal with, and that we're and this that we're all faced with this this moment in time. And, um, and you can see it in, even in athletics, how it's with emails and other things that are happening just in the last 
few days of how you, I mean, how people are being, and that points to that under, people say well, racism is no longer in existence. But if you, if you thinking that way, or if you're talking that way, or you're emailing that way, or you're, then, then you, you have a problem. And so you have to change hearts, not just, and, and that's, that's hard to do. Hearts and minds is, that's, that's a, and that, that's, a, you know, we've been, good Lord, you know, we've got a lot of people trying to do that. So, uh, and that's gonna take more time. And I think the conversations that, that are being had at this time are, are critical and important about racism that's, that's that's fantastic advice sir um let, let's lighten things up a little bit uh looking at you back at high point return to your alma mater um it really was a celebration a couple of years ago when you uh rejoined high point um it's a little bit different than some of the higher profile schools where you've coached like minnesota uh memphis texas tech kentucky of course uh but how much have you embraced the challenge of putting High Point on the map, so to speak, of bringing a little extra visibility and success to your alma mater. Well, I, you know, I got to give it to our, her, our president, Dr. Nito Cobain is a real visionary. and He's a sought after speaker. He's sought after by many of the, by many other presidents at universities around the country to figure out how are we growing this university? Uh, we're now at, I mean, we have the largest freshman class for the last, I guess, eight to 10 years. Every year, we, you know, it's, um, he's been here for 17 years. And we went from a 60, 90 acre school to a 600 acre school or more. So we really uh, built, just built a new arena with a hotel attached to it and a convention center attached to it on campus, which, which we may be the only school in the country that has that. And, uh, it's a beautiful $170 million building that uh, that we're excited about being. And that's one of the reasons that we came here because of Nito Cobain's vision and, uh, and his extraordinary uh, gift for entrepreneurship and salesmanship. <laughs> and so my wife, both, both my wife and I went to school at High Point. Uh, so we've always given back. And so that's why I encourage our players and other people to give and serve. So to come back here and help them get this facility built and be a part of the growth and, and extraordinary changes that are taking place here in High Point was, was a no brainer for me. And, you know, I was number one, I was out of a job. <laughs> so I wasn't necessarily looking for a job to be honest with you, but I, you know, I had, I had invested in this university so, you know, I, you know, I've been invested in it since the day I came here in 1969. So it's a real honor and privilege to be back here leading this basketball program. Need to win some games, <laughs> but uh, but I think we're on the right right path. But uh, how about speaking about your home court? Uh, when we look at it, I mean, it, even before you were the coach, that's sort of, kind of sort of the house that Tubby built. You had yeah. a, a big role to play within the the, the uh, new arena, sir. So, so how does it feel to kind of have that also uh, extra ownership, I guess you could say, over uh, the program in that way? <laughs> That's a good way to put it, you know, because we need to take uh, 
ownership of things. And when you're when you've invested both, you know, financially and otherwise, um, it's a unique, I guess, relationship that that you have with your alma mater. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've done this before. I, I coached at my alma mater at Great Mills High School, so I've had some experience in how how this works. But I'm back near people that. I went to school with some of my former teammates are still in the area that we uh, we stay in touch with, uh, even professors and, and you know Dr. Cobain who and I went to school together here. So so I'm in a familiar area. I, I, we only lived here while I was going to school here, getting my degree. But we've always come back. I think every year in some form or fashion to High Point. And being the furniture capital, we everywhere we've ever been, we've we've bought our furniture and had it shipped, whether it was in Lubbock, Texas, or Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Lexington, Kentucky. So it's uh, it's a beautiful area, beautiful region to live in. We have access to an airport. So you asked me about oh, the the court being named for me is I don't really uh, that's it's just the the. You know, and you always want to leave a legacy. And that's the, you know, the two, you know, like my, my, I remember my mom and dad, they said, boy, you only, all you have is your name. And what you did between the time you're born, that little dash or hash between when you're born and when you die, that's, that's who you are. And so what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And so we, we try to give back. That's fantastic, Coach. Uh, Coach, before we wrap up, I do think we would be remiss not to mention uh, the loss of a Big South alum, a High Point basketball family member recently, uh, Hasheen McIntyre, who died tragically uh, just over a month ago at the age of 27. Uh, Coach, how's the team and the program uh, dealt with the loss of Hasheen and and just how have you guys been able to to kind of help uh, help out and encourage his family in this tough time? Well, in this tough time, it's... it's whenever something of this and gun violence is something we've got to get we got to find a way to get control of this and um because there's so many young people especially blacks unnecessarily violence you know just um but Hashim was a young man i met before didn't really never he didn't play for me uh played for coach cherry but one of our assistant coaches eric gabriel went to his funeral and, and, you know, we were involved in, and, um, you know, doing the things we felt to support his, his mom and his family. Uh, and, and so I, um, you know, it's just a tragedy and we're going to, you know, find a way to honor him during the season as well, along with Gene Littles, who was another, you know, he died of, of, uh, of cancer recently in the last few weeks. So we've had a, we've had a loss of coach Jerry Steele passed away, but these are, kind of, but, but his, my seems loss was whenever it's happened that way. And at such a young age and such a bright future ahead of him, it's, it's tough to handle. And so the, you know, our, our university has been mourning his death for, for some time now. Well, Coach, I know you all are going to do everything that you can in your power this season uh, to honor Hashin. And 
Uh, Coach, we, we know that you also have uh, quite a few things that you worked on from a charitable uh, side of, and really looking at the work you've done in Lexington, everywhere you've been uh, through the Tubby Smith Foundation. You've also been charitable in High Point. But uh, one thing that I also wanted to highlight before we wrapped up, you also have High Point as a part of the upcoming No Room for Racism Classic uh, coming this fall. What can you tell us about the Classic? Well, it's, you know, we're playing against South Carolina State, which, uh, you know, and, and I like that the approach that the people at Rock Hill, South Carolina, you know, the, the group called, you know, the Friendship Nines that were in 1961 that were arrested um, on a sit-in, you know, you had to sit in here. Most people remember one in Greensboro or the Wilmington 10, but North Carolina was one of the places where, you know, black colleges, black students were at the forefront of the civil rights movement and the changes that were taking place. Uh, so to be a part of this and have, you know, Florida State, Leonard Hamilton, who's a legend in it, you know, Frank Martin from South Carolina, uh, Tony Madlock from South Carolina State, and they added other schools, which I think is, is critical, but, but we're happy to be representing High Point University in the Big South. I think Winthrop is in it also. So it, it'll be an exciting time to come together to, um, to keep, uh, you know, no room for racism, keep that at the forefront that there, you know, we, there have been uh, a lot of changes, but there's still a lot left to do to, um, to fight racism. Sir, but there's a lot of talented people there, a lot of talented players. So we're excited about the opportunity to face South Carolina State Bulldogs. They they gave us all we wanted years ago when I was a coach at Kentucky. Mm -hmm. we, won the, we won the national championship. We had to play South Carolina State, and um, they almost beat us, almost upset us. <laughs> Well, Coach, hopefully uh, you guys have a better, little better luck this time around. Don't have to worry about well, fighting them too, them, too they, hard. Yeah, well, I know, you know, they're, I'm not at Kentucky right now, so we've got to be ready to play. All right, we'll certainly be looking out for the No Room for Racism uh, classic upcoming. Um, viewers also want to remind you, uh, a shout-out that I like to do at the end of these, uh, for the Black Play-by-Play -play Scholarship and Grant Fund. It is a Opportunity for Black college students interested in learning the art of sports broadcasting, specifically sports play-by-play, -play, and also a growing network that young Black broadcasters can rely on as they are getting their careers started to make sure that we see and hear representation in the broadcast booth as well as we do among the ranks of coaches, players, and administration across sports as well. Great he plug. Is, I want to plug sir. Black Coaches United as well. Absolutely. We're a member of it, so we... We need all the young women and men that they want to learn and, and from some of the better, some of the, some of the great coaches in our business. And we encourage you to join the BCU. He's High Point men's basketball head coach, Tubby Smith. Coach, I truly appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm glad we could do it. You did a great job. We appreciate being a part of it. Thank you, coach. And thank you viewers for tuning into Cultural Conversations with the Big South. We'll see you next time.